find a baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh behind the baller. Konnichiwa. Welcome to another brand new episode of the world famous, the globally ranked business show, Behind the Baller podcast, coming to you live and direct from Hollywood, California, punching you right in the neck with full blown high definition stereo sound. This show is brought to you and produced by none other than the podcast producers of the year, the Dust Brothers. Once again, smash mouth albatross on a par six type smack you in the ear with the razor blade museum quality podcasting. Did that make any sense? Who gives a fuck? I'm your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, also known as the Korean Liam Neeson, the Wash Lord, the Earl Woods of podcasting, and of course, the Korean Roy McAvoy. Happy holidays, guys. Yes, it is Martin Luther King. Martin Luther the King Jr.'s birthday today. So I hope all you guys do have dreams. I myself rarely dream at night, you know, these days. But that's okay. If you didn't get that Martin Luther the King joke, then you might be too young. And It's a Coming to America reference. Anyways, shout out to Legal Cartel for the theme song. And of course, all original music used on this show is produced by the music wonder Lakey Lake. That's Lakey inspired. Miles, Jordan, let's get this motherfucking show started. BTB Army, everybody, I need you all to help me welcome and greet my sister, my big sister, Jean Yang, a big happy birthday. Holy fucking shit. Let me do some math because I, I don't want to fuck this up. And I know she doesn't want anybody to fucking know this. But you know what? I don't give a fuck about age and shit like that. I don't think my sister's ever really tripped like that. But my sister is 55 years old today. It's fucking crazy. All right. Me and my sister growing up, I got to say, we weren't the closest. She wasn't my favorite out of my siblings. I grew up idolizing my brother. Obviously, my big bro was like my idol and, you know, he was just my favorite. And um, Gene was the middle child. So, you know, um, there was always weird issues and stuff and everything. I had a stepbrother and stepsisters too. I'm not in contact with. It's funny because... Milton, my stepbrother, is actually a fucking amazing golfer. I mean, I know he hasn't stopped. There's no way. He was a good golfer 20 years ago. So I couldn't imagine how good he is now. I have no reason to reach out really to him. Um, my pops had passed away in 2011. Um, but anyways, back to the matter at hand. Um, Jean, my sister, you want to talk about fucking resilience and just fuck, man, hard work. 55 and she is still at it. Um, I admire her as a mom, as a wife, as a businesswoman, 
as fucking style icon. I do not say this lightly. I do not say this with any braggadocious behavior. I do not say this with anything but the truth. My sister is still considered probably maybe the top 10 biggest stylists in Hollywood for men. At one point, I would say, for I'd say a 20-year reign, my sister was the biggest men's stylist on earth. And by far. When I say I'm the number one jewel in the world, you know, it could be up for debate. There was no up for debate. My sister's clients, her resume is stupid. I don't even want to fucking get into it. it it's that insane. I think she had an eight or nine year stretch where she dressed the best actor and best supporting actor. One year she had the best supporting actor, the best actor and best actress or best supporting actress. It was insane because the fighter that year, my sister has been styling Christian Bale for 20 years. My sister was styling for Tom Cruise for almost 20 years. There was a point in time where 300 covers of magazines, my sister styled every single one. Tom Cruise wouldn't even put a t-shirt on without her say. Uh, my sister styled George Clooney for a very long time, still works with George. Uh, Heath Ledger, rest in peace. Three president-elects. My sister styled Robert Downey Jr. for a very long time. She still styles Robert Downey Jr. My sister styled Keanu Reeves for almost 20 years, maybe longer. But now my sister is Keanu Reeves' manager. Yes, the legend, Keanu Reeves. Uh, my sister also styled Jason Momoa, and now she is his manager. I, I can't even begin. We're talking a thousand covers of from GQ to, to Vanity Fair to everything you can imagine from Justin Bieber down to Denzel Washington to Obama to, I can't, honestly, the list is ridiculous. Her resume is disgusting. It makes me look like a fucking clown. And before Denzel, before my best friend, Nick Adler, before all of them, my sister was the one who got me in the door. She got me to meet some people. I know I must have made her life fucking hell. And um, my sister just, you know, she's actually very humble. I always said she was a great student, everything else. She said she wasn't a great student. My sister was, uh, she went to boarding school. Obviously, I didn't. I was too much of a fucking troublemaker. I was too much just getting in trouble, getting going to jail, getting arrested, and all the other shit. And she has all the crazier stories. She was obviously older than me, so she has a lot more memories about it. But, um... I love Eugene. I, I can't explain. Um, I wish I had more time just to fucking to try to network. We really never ever joined forces and it was a beautiful thing. There was never every kind of like where I used her to get in somewhere, anything. Um, early on, very early on in, in the mid 90s, she definitely helped me out. She was running a top fashion magazine, independent top fashion magazine called Detour. Um, that magazine later became Flaunt. It got bought out and it was different. And that's when she became styling. She styled women, but she has specialized in styling men. Now, um, she's always with a major agency and uh, she's always killed it. She always has. I respect my sister for her art tastes. Um, some of the people she's introduced me to, she lives in a Neutra home, which is, you know, one of the greatest architects ever. You know, she put her twin daughters through the best private schools you could fucking imagine. I, my kids have never gone to school like that. I live a different, totally different life. She is just, I don't even know, so well polished in so many different areas. 
and we are two totally different people. It's crazy. My sister was married at French Laundry. It was actually the first wedding that has ever been done at French Laundry, obviously, as considered probably the, the top restaurant on earth. Not in America, on earth. And it was considered that for a very long time. That was 20 some odd years ago, 21, 22 years ago. But she just always knew what was up, whether it came to art, wine, fucking fashion, everything. And I never asked her to style me. I think one or two times she did style me. And uh, she's an icon. If anybody who was in real fashion and has ever dealt with anybody on a high level, they would know my sister in a heartbeat. You know, she's been just at the forefront of everything. She still styles Christian Bale, still styles, you know, all these major people. But she has, you know, obviously a company. She owned a clothing brand for a short time called Holmes and Yang. It was with Katie Holmes. Obviously, she was styling Tom Cruise for a very long time, even during the time when he was married to Nicole Kidman. And my sister uh, parted ways with Tom. I can't speak about that for legal purposes. Uh, my sister's not a Scientologist. But yeah, so her and Katie Holmes are still great friends to this day. And they had a company called Holmes and Yang, and it was dope. And my sister is just fucking, and, and again, she's an icon. Happy birthday, Jean. Thank you for everything you've done for me in life. I am sorry for all the fucking heartache I've given you. I know I've probably helped you uh, lose a job or two. And um, I, I don't know what to say. My sister uh, has been styling Adam Sandler for a long time. And when Adam was shadowing me for the part on Cut Gems, I never mentioned to Adam that Jean Yang was my sister. It wasn't until at a show that my sister was getting him ready, dressed and everything. And Justin Bieber walked in to say hi to Adam Sandler. He was doing a show at the El Rey Theater. Justin goes, I know you from somewhere. She goes, yeah, I styled you for the most famous ever uh, issue of Vanity Fair. And he goes, no, nah, it's not that. And then he said, so she said something else. And he, I mean, he said something else. And she was like, no, that's not that either. And she goes, you know what? I know you're good friends with my brother, Ben Baller. And Adam was in a chair getting like makeup done and he stopped. He said, I'm sorry. He grabbed my mother, my sister's arm and said, what'd you say? And he goes, yeah, my brother's name is Ben Ball. Do you know who he is? And Adam Sandler said, motherfucker, that's your real brother? And he goes, yeah, it's my blood brother. Like, why? Because I've been shadowing him for my part in Uncut Gems and he never brought your name up. And I think at that point, Adam Sandler gave me a lot more respect. And I've never texted him, never ever, whatever. Funny thing is, I changed my number right after we were working together and he wanted to invite me to the Uncut Gems private screening and he hits my sister. He goes, is Ben Baller, does your brother think he's too fucking cool? He can't get back to me, he can't respond back to me and it was funny. I messed up. I was like, dude, I got a new number. Sorry, man, my bad. But uh, again, sidetrack, Gene, you are just fucking incredible and I don't know what to say. I hope to have a career and be as an amazing parent as you are. Um, you know, my sister has sent her daughters to Vassar and Columbia University. It's just, fuck. Not that I really care if my kids go to school. I just want them to be busy and doing something productive with their lives. But that is a major accomplishment. So, Gene, I love you. Thank you so much. And happy birthday. And please, if you want, go to Gene Yang Style. And, uh, and you can go to my Instagram and see his stories and give her a shout out. But what a fucking week. Um, what a weekend. It was, again, um, a great weekend from Wednesday morning to uh, Saturday afternoon. I was in San Diego. It was probably one of my longer stays there. 
training for this pro-am, which now there is a weird discrepancy going on. I had a two-thirds vote, and so I thought I was playing. I pretty much thought like, yo, I'm in. I'm playing the Farmers Insurance PGA, my first PGA Tour Pro-Am in the USA. But the crazy thing was, there's a 2-3 vote. I need a 3-3 vote. I thought it'd be a majority vote. So I'm literally waiting. Taylor Brain's already got my hotel. They've already taken care of the fees and everything else. I'm sure they're going to assign me a caddy and all that. But I don't know what's going on. But so I was down there training for that. And um, we'll get into that after the break. I don't want to talk about, obviously, sports or golf or entertainment. We usually do that after the intro, which is this part of the, of the show now. In other news, Instagram has flagged me once again over the stupidest fucking lame-ass shit. So Facebook, Meta, whatever the fuck the company is called. Shout out to my boy Luke, though. He is a fucking solid dude. He's helped me out. He's BTB Army, the whole nine. But I left a comment replying back to my coach, Ron Del Barrio, under the G63 car post. I put something like, what? I will smack you straight across the mouth of something, blah, blah, whatever. This is one of my most favorite people in the world, my coach, someone I speak to almost every single day who I see three times a week minimum when I'm in Los Angeles is a friend. And I was making a joke with him. And the comment was flagged. I asked for a review. They did a fucking bot review, of course. No human review. There's apparently been 13,000 layoffs. So doing it's like anyone with common sense take two minutes. Do I follow him? Yes. Does he follow me back? Yes. Does there are pictures of each other on each other pages? Yes. What the fuck? So with that said, they've banned me from doing IG lives. Now, it won't be banned for a long time or forever. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But it just sucks. So fucking silly. Just fucking dumb. It's just really fucking aggravating. But guys, don't fret. I do have Twitter subscriptions. I do have IG subscriptions. I do need to utilize that group chat session where I do that stuff where we could all chat in there and kind of have a party chat. But the last Instagram live I did on my IG for subscribers only was amazing. You get three people on there. You have a four-person IG live party line. It was just really dope. And there'll be great things. And I'm not tripping. I'm not accepting any new subscribers until January 23rd. I have too many as it is. And I told you guys it's not about the money. And if you want to subscribe and participate in meet and greets, participate in giveaways and things like that, sure. It's $4.99 a month, which is still dirt cheap considering what you get. Now, if you signed up in December and January, guess what? Well, early January and December, you pay $3 a month. Okay, so now it's five. No big deal. If you don't want to sign up, no big deal. Now, if you cancel and try to resubscribe, price goes up. I unfollow you if you um, don't subscribe. And that's just part of the game. And if you unfollow me, it's fine. I'm not tripping. I'm giving you guys 10 times more than what anybody would ever give. And none of these guys, 100,000% of people with subscriptions don't follow their followers back, especially not those with 2 million followers. Okay. We do a lot of cool shit. We had a great fucking subscriber meet and greet in San Diego. I plan on doing a few more. I want to do one in Inland Empire now because I'm getting a lot of requests, possibly at Ontario Mills Mall where the Dave & Buster's is. Um, we are going to do another LA one. I told you guys I want to do in Hollywood. I think it's going to have to be Long Beach. I think if we do it in Long Beach, that way I can get the LA guys and I can go to the Orange County guys. 
It's like that happy medium right in between, and that works out. And by the way, once again, shout out to all the Korean homies that pulled up, Roy Kwan, Johnny, all them amazing fucking guys, bringing me Picari Sweat and all that stuff. It was very, very kind to you guys. God damn, those nachos, man, the truffle fries, fucking just banging. But um, my next giveaway will be announced on the 23rd, and then the giveaway will be on the 25th. I don't know what time because the Farmer's Pro-Am is the 25th. So I'm going to have to figure it out. might be on the 26th. We'll figure it out. Not a big deal. But I am giving away my Spider EX TaylorMade putter. It is the first putter I ever used in my life as a golfer. It means something to me, but you know what? It will come with the putter head cover. It's fucking sick. And I'll be honest with you, it's a great putter. There will also be a giveaway either on Twitter or Instagram. It's going to be one of those subscriptions. I have the $600 uh, NW75 noise-canceling wireless Bluetooth headphones. They are fucking tits. Again, there's always great shit going on. All right. What else is there? I guess we got to get into it. You know, um, I, I don't even know where to begin. San Diego was a vibe. I don't want to talk about any of the, the golf or that shit like that, but I checked out a property in um, Encinitas. I saw a property in Oceanside. The Oceanside property wasn't big enough, and I'm not looking for anything big. You know, I'm looking at 2,500 to 3,200 square feet. Pretty specific, right? Looking for a three-bedroom I can maybe do a two-bedroom depending on the location. If it's really close to the beach and beachfront, no problem. Definitely got to be within a five-minute walk of an ocean view or very close to the water. That's what I'm looking for. But uh, saw a property was fucking amazing. I think it was priced a little too high. Um, I've seen a couple other things that were nice, but then they have to be teardowns and I'd be, you know, remake them and the land is good and everything. But you know what? Just the vibes in San Diego. I don't have to look over my back. I don't need to worry about shit. I can walk down, you know, um, Coast Highway. I think that's the street. And um, just enjoy time. Oceanside right there at the boardwalk. It's like fucking where the pier is. It's amazing. Stayed at one of the fucking best hotels I've stayed at in San Diego. Um, the Seabird is just such a great, amazing boutique hotel it is expensive as fucking shit because i had a semi-small suite considering for california not new york 700 square feet in new york would be considered big but you know i like to have a thousand to fifteen hundred square feet that's basically the way i like to rock even if it's for a night just like having space I like to invite guests over and chill out but uh i got like an 800 900 square maybe 800 square foot oceanfront suite and it was like a G a night. It might have even been more. It was like fucking 1,100 night. It was, it was kind of a lot, especially for Oceanside. But the area was lit. The market, the sushi, the fucking restaurants, everything was so good. I had just even a basic little, you know, um, sushi spot. I had a great steak. I had great seafood. I had great Italian food in Carlsbad. The vibe again, just chill vibes. Went to Dave & Buster's on Friday night, just solo. Just went in there just to vibe out, just to kick in, just try to clear my head. You know, had a great tailor-made dinner. Obviously, golf is just insane. I was on my way to a golf course, and I passed five golf courses on the way there. You can't compare it. It's just not. It's just different. 
And again, I don't give a fuck about going out to a club. I don't give a fuck about going out to the fanciest restaurant in the world. I could do that when I'm out of town. I don't think I'd fully relocate to San Diego, but I would love to. I mean, I'm in San Diego once a month because of TaylorMade, because of golf and things like that. And um, I could rent the place out other than that, right? And then it'd be a really nice place again to have a home from June to the end of August and the kids have a place where we can go to the beach and go play golf. We can go do different things. I'm sure there's a jujitsu place that I can sign Ryder up and everything and Kai can do gymnastics or jujitsu or whatever it is. It's just a different vibe. I absolutely love it in North County. I was kind of leaning towards La Jolla. And if I was going to live there for good, yeah, I wouldn't mind being in Del Mar like Rancho Santa Fe, but that's just not now. And you know, I spent a lot of time in the gas lamp, but it's just like, no, North County is where it's at. And um, the reason why I paused is because Friday night, I'm driving home. Sorry, driving to my hotel. It's about 11, 20 something p.m. It's not late. Driving to the hotel. I was thinking about smoking a joint. And um, I had maybe one or two drinks that night and hours prior. Nothing. I rarely drink now. And I'm playing music, vibing on the five freeway, about to exit my exit. I get a call from my alarm company. You get a call from your alarm company at 11.20. And I didn't hear the notification on my phone. But the music was on loud. It wasn't connected. It was a different Bluetooth. I literally froze. My heart dropped. Low-key panicked. Probably driving 70 on the freeway. Pick up the call and they're like, Hi, this is such and such alarm systems. Is everything okay? And I said, no, everything is not okay. I'm in San Diego right now. My wife is at her parents' house with my children and there's nobody in the home right now. I didn't say it that calmly. I said it pretty frantically and I said, could you tell me what's going on? And they said, "Uh, zone 20 has been triggered. That's the back entrance. There's like several back entrances and um, I tripped out. And I was like, you know what? I need patrol called ASAP. I'm going to pull over and look at the cameras. Please keep all court, keep like, keep in contact. What can I say? Keep correspondence, anything. I need to be in contact with patrol. I need to be in contact with everybody. So I exit immediately. I pull over to the side of the road. I pull up all my cameras. I got 20 cameras total. That's inside and out. So I'm looking into all the cameras. As I hear um, the indoor cameras, I'm looking at the perimeter first, looking at the outside, seeing if there's anybody trying to case it, everything. I got a gate. There's a whole gate. There's a fucking, there's two gates in the front. There's two gates on the side. You know, you'd have to fucking hop up gigantic wall in the back. And um, I'm searching. I don't see anything funny. I started looking on the indoor cameras and um, something else at home theater, something. I'm like, what the fuck? So I checked the man cave. Camera has night vision, everything. There is nothing. But I do hear the alarm and it is loud as a motherfucker. By the way, my next door neighbor works for the CIA. So she's the sweetest person in the world. 
And um, she may listen to this podcast. I don't know. But I don't converse with her in any personal things about, you know, my crazy past or anything. But, you know, I didn't want to call her that late at night. But she's really cool. She has young kids. Not younger kids. She's my, actually my age. And she has kids that are teenagers in high school. But um, I had spoke to her after. She's like, call me anytime. I don't give a fuck. But uh, her dogs would have went off if they heard something. So they must have entered through the back, whatever, tried to get in. Within less than six minutes, armed patrol was at my house. And the greatest thing about my armed patrol is there's six guys that I know with the armed patrol. And I asked them, I said, hey, listen, I'm giving you explicit consent to shoot any motherfucker on my premises. I know that's beyond this and that. And um, I won't mention the alarm company, but they are fully armed and they're ready to go. They got the access code to the gate. They got the key to the side gate. So I look in my cameras as I'm going through every fucking camera in the house and I see them there. They got there really quick. There was um, suspicion of coming over to the back. And uh, I think that, I don't know if people are just fucking stupid, but I'll tell you, there's nothing of like, there's no jewelry in the house like that, whatever. And some people, oh shit, $5,000 a lot of me. Yeah, sure. Going to jail for a long time because there's so many different things. It's not just a regular B&E. There's a whole different level of shit when you enter my house. And, and I'm not going to get into that legally. For all you fake attorneys out there that understand, you have no idea. Because I've been through this 12 years ago. And that dude's been sitting in jail still. And he hasn't even fucking seen a courtroom yet. I mean, he saw a courtroom early and he's trying to fucking figure it out. He's still in there. I think I discussed this before about him getting shot. But the patrol called me. They let me know that um, the garage was unlocked. Don't remember if maybe Ryder or one of the kids did, but there's a sensor there as well. When they opened the garage to check, alarm went off again, even though it already went off. And I didn't want to disarm or disable anything until everything was fucking clear because it's fucking loud as shit and I'm in a very quiet-ass area. So it was really nice to know they got there in six minutes, a little less than six minutes. And they stayed there for like 20, 30 minutes. They inspected everything. It was two guys. So it was fucking dope, man. It was nice to see that uh, private patrol because fucking police ain't getting there. You know what I mean? Ain't no reason for me to call the cops. And, um, you know, it had me a little shook. So, you know, next night, I decided to sleep in man cave. Fucking uh, Benelli 12 gauge, chilling. Uh, VP9, chilling. My wife is armed with a, a Glock 42 upstairs and, uh, you know, we're ready to go. You know, all safe, all secure. And it just kind of fucking bummed me out. I was like, yo, this is crazy. And I come to find out one of my friends who's uh, stupid wealthy, worth a couple hundred million dollars, he had some crazy motherfucker dressed in bushes and everything, literally looked like he was completely camouflaged in their bushes. And it was the scariest fucking picture I've seen in my entire life. It was crazy as fuck. And the helicopters were all around the neighborhood. Um, I was wondering what the fuck was going on. Then I found out. The neighbor hit me up, sent me the thing. We shared little pictures with each other. But it was just fucking crazy. It was absolutely, it just shocked me. Like it fucked my whole shit up. I was just, wow, man. You know, so be careful out there, folks. If you um, obviously don't live in a gated community, then probably good idea to fucking, you know, 
There's, I don't know if ADT or whatever these other companies, I think they're like 40 bucks a month or 25, 50 bucks a month. They're not that expensive. Those are for you guys who are homeowners. And if you get enough people in your community to sign up for the same service, then they get a car just for your area. And these guys happen to be down the street, so it worked out. But they also know when I'm gone or anything, I call them and let them know. So they're doing like drive-bys every 15 minutes just to see anything funny, the motherfuckers is in there. And there's sensors all over the fucking place. So just good to know. What else? You know what? I wanted to have a really important conversation about, um, well, to start off, I don't want to take the show too long, so maybe I'll start the, and it is about entertainment, so I'll bring that part up after the break, but real quick, PMB Rock was murdered at uh, Roscoe's unfortunate situation. Um, He is a very young dude, mid-20s, I think, you know, had a girl, um, had a baby, maybe two babies. And his wifey, she went on Instagram to talk about how they had no life insurance, they had nothing, they weren't preparing. And again, I'm sure a dude, you know, bought a lot of jewelry, whatever, and that's not, you know, whatever. It's too late to talk about that shit now. But she talked about it. She's like, yo, we're too young. You know, who's thinking about life insurance in their 20s? You know, we have nothing to fall back on, nothing. And I don't know if he owned his masters or anything. I don't know what the situation is. But she's like, life insurance is really important. I have discussed it. There's been ads for life insurance on this podcast many times. And you know, if you can't afford it, get term life insurance. You know, get five year, 10 year. It's, it's, it's pretty affordable. You'd be surprised. You know, chill out on the Starbucks and on the avocado toast and on the fucking, you know, maybe a couple of pairs of fucking Kobe's or fucking Jordan's or whatever the fuck it is and get life insurance. It is really important. I have a trust fund set up for my kids. I have a living trust. I have other things and I have them protected in many ways. But it is fucking sad. There's a couple guys who are actually in my subscriber list that sell life insurance. So if you're a subscriber, jump in that post where I ask people, what do you do for a living? And read through it. It wouldn't take you a long time. Set up some life insurance, whether it be term, whether it be, you know, full life insurance. It's not that bad. I would encourage anybody in their mid to late 20s to go ahead. Anybody who has kids, absolutely fucking mandatory. It's not even up for discussion, okay? And do it when you're younger so you don't have to worry about the health tests and all that other shit. It's a lot more expensive when you set it up at 50, like my age, okay? Anyways, we're gonna take a break, guys, and we'll be right back with some other real shit. It's a new year and you're still making sports bets on your own. Why? You're not an expert. You don't have the time to be an expert. Stop fucking around. You need to join CaptainPicks.com. This is a company that I own. I am an owner of, okay? And we have been on fire. NFL playoffs, NBA, NHL, UFC, college basketball, tennis, Premier League, PGA Tour, props, parlays. We got it locked. This is the place to be a community of winners where you get to celebrate with the best crew in the game. Use promo code PLAYOFFS at CaptainPicks.com to get 47% off all packages. Promo code PLAYOFFS at CaptainPicks.com. Talk sports, stack wins. 
Your pet's a member of the family. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them Nom Nom. Nom Nom delivers fresh food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real good food for dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are crafted by board-certified veterinary nutritionalists, made fresh and shipped free to your door. Nom Nom's already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. I've got four dogs, and they each have their own personalized plans. Saves me a ton of time and a ton of money. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash baller. Spelled trynom.com slash baller for 50% off trynom.com slash baller. Yo, yo, what up, y'all? We're back. I think I want to get into the good shit instead of getting into the bad shit. Meaning we'll talk about the NFL in a second. Well, actually, not even good shit, really. So I played a lot of golf this weekend. And this week, I uh, got fitted. I, I talked about that. And I've never hit that many balls, so I was sore as fuck. So Thursday, I go to the most exclusive, well, not the most exclusive, but probably the top two most exclusive country clubs in um, San Diego County, and that would be the farms. The only thing else would be Del Mar Country Club, but the farms is considered the toughest course in San Diego County. I would probably say it could be the toughest course in the state of California, it is a very narrow, tough track. It is a fucking amazing place. PGA members of the course are Phil Mickelson, Annika Sorensen, a bunch of other people. Michael Jordan is a member there. He, It's like one of the 20 clubs that he's a member of. And remember, he could be a member anywhere pretty much, but like, it's a big fucking deal that MJ is a member there. And along with a ton of other huge, massive people on the PGA Tour that are, are there and big other people, but a good, good shot an episode there. I don't know how the fuck they got that clearance, but they got that pull. And, um, you know, I played. So I played with the fifth guy in charge of TaylorMade. And TaylorMade has a massive amount of employees. This is a top dog there. Played with the head of marketing. Then I'll play with another marketing guy. And these are important people. Now, my dog, the stranger, Mike, he is a, I think, three or four handicap. One of the guys is a 10 and the other guy was probably like a somewhere between a 13 and 14. So the guy who's a 10 has been playing for 20 years. The guy who's a 13 or 14 is playing at least 10, 15 years. So, you know, first time ever playing this course. It's obviously a very hard thing to do. And everyone said it was tough. And I was like, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go out here and do my thing. First hole, I make par. My boy Stranger at one point was playing incredible like a year or two ago. He was really on fire. He's just so fucking busy because he runs an entire department. He's very busy with, you know, obviously dealing with fucking Tiger, Colin, Rory, Scheffler, fucking Fleetwood, um, Colin. 
And, um, you know, as we get along, I'm just, you know, hitting fucked up shots. I hit like seven fucking balls. OB, that's 14 strokes right there. Other than that, other hitting the balls out of, you know, losing the balls, I was, I was fucking good. I had some great shots. Um, I had some great up and downs. I played fucking strong. My putter worked, but those 14 strokes fucking killed me. So, you know, think about par 72, you had 14, what's that? That's 86 right there. So I fucking 86 right there, I'm already fucked. It's not much I could really do. The thing that hurt me the most is I was playing in front of people that I really, you know, wanted to impress. And I was bummed out. You know, really important people at TaylorMade. They were very impressed the fact that I've been playing less than a year in rounds. And um, Stranger shot four over. He had probably one of his best rounds ever. Very tough course. The top dog who was fifth at the company. He shot like an 82 or 83. Shot 10 or 11 over. He killed it. And then the other guy who's probably right around my my handicap index, uh, he shot a 102. I shot a 99. When I input it in the gin because of my handicap, because of um, the uh, slope and things like that and the rating, my gin entered it as a 95. That's just how the gin works. I don't cheat. I don't make anything up. I just input what, what it is. And uh, I played like shit. It actually bummed me the fuck out. I thought about quitting golf again. I think about, I thought about, you know, maybe taking a tripod, videotaping me breaking off 14 clubs over my knee. Even my fucking $25,000 Scotty um, Cameron putter. I didn't give a fuck. And um, by the way, I'm retiring my Scotty Cameron for a little bit. I'm putting it away. Obviously, I added some new Stealth 2 Woods. I've kept my old driver in old Woods just to see if I need to reset and go back to them. But the clubs do help. I'm saying, you know, there's there's more forgiveness on these drivers. But if I need to go back to certain things, you know, really it's just me dialing in everything much more. My iron game is not terrible. It's probably a better part. My chipping game, well, not necessarily short chips, but my 80, I'd say 100 to 40 yards in, I was money. Again, it was just unfortunate situations. But the next day, I was supposed to play the crossings, which is right next to TaylorMade. And my friend Maslin backed out. I'm not going to call her out on it, whatever. She said her back hurt or some shit. I don't know. She was... We played our first round together. It was probably my first real round with someone just I didn't know. And she beat me by like 10 or 12 strokes. And she's been playing golf for like three, four years now. And uh, we've played a couple rounds here and there. And I was like, well, fuck this. Let's go. I'll play from the white tees if that's what you want to do. Because we don't play from the white tees. Um, we either play from the tips when I'm playing with pros or we usually play from the blue tees or whatever the second most furthest tee is. And um, I was like, let's play from the white tees. Fuck it. It's going to help me out even more. She backed out. I don't think she wanted smoke. And honestly, to tell you the truth, she's a really good golfer. And um, that Friday, I was still sore. I was sore Wednesday. I was sore Thursday. And then Friday, I was like, yo, let's go. So she canceled last minute, searched around, made some phone calls. And I was able to get into this gem of a fucking amazing course called Arrowwood Golf Course. It is in the Valley of Oceanside and it is just fucking amazing. Now, I know that some of the course favorites in San Diego are Encinitas Ranch. I'm talking about public courses. 
Obviously, Tory Pines is one of the you know one of the most favorites. I'll be honest with you, I've played Tory Pines four times. Arrowwood is definitely a better course. Tory is long. It's tough. It's beautiful for sure. Especially, I can't imagine playing on a really nice day. I've always played in shitty days, but Arrowwood, it, do not sleep for fucking a hundred bucks. This place, and it used to be sixty or something. They had these crazy membership things where you could pay like three hundred fifty bucks and play all year, no blackout dates, anything. I don't think that's gonna. Ch- I think that changed. They have track bands. So it's like fucking top golf. They have all the games. You want to play a game closest to the pin. You want to do this, this, and this. They have a pretty good bay of, of a range. They got an outdoor restaurant with smash burgers. They got this outdoor bar. I felt like I was in Cabo. They got an amazing little putting area. They have a decent, small, little-sized pro shop, but they got a great kitchen. And let me tell you, this fucking course was tits. After rain hit everything, there was probably no yellow grass anywhere. Front nine was all right, wasn't so bad. I rarely ever play with total strangers. I did that at TPC Harding. And uh, I did it one time at Lincoln Park GC in San Francisco. And that guy shot a 61 on me. Now, mind you, this is a par 68. So he shot seven under. I shot six over on that course. And to tell you the truth, I was aiming blindly and played fucking amazing. Everything just went my way. It was luck, but it was also obviously me hitting solid. But um, playing with three guys, a guy named Jimmy, a guy named Kyle, a guy named Ryan. Um, I would say Kyle is probably probably a 10, 11 handicap. I don't know what he finally shot. I do think, and I'm pretty sure I did do better than him. Uh, another guy named Ryan from Georgia. All these guys have been golfing for a long time, except Kyle. Kyle's been golfing about four years. Um, good athlete, cool dude. and um, I won't even talk about what they do for a living. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter because it, it just serves no purpose. But my putter was on fire. My iron game was on fire. My driver was okay. I was making fairways. I was still doing good. But the ball wasn't going very far. I was getting used to this new driver. I was getting used to um, swing playing, just doing different things, just trying shit, right? I had nobody to tell me where to go. It was a brand new driver. I switched my driver from a 10 and a half degree to a nine degree loft, went to a stiffer shaft and just certain things, you know, just touch and feel. On hole 18, I uh, pulled out my three wood off the tee and fucking nailed a beautiful shot. It was crazy. It was 245 yards to the water. So I had to hit the ball either high and have it die at like 235 or 240. Or hit it like 200 and hope it doesn't roll more than 40 yards. And that's why I took out um, my three wood off the tee. Stealth two, HD three wood. And I fucking nailed that bitch. And it went 235, rolled about five yards. I'm at 240, right at the water. And um, to the right though, kind of a blind shot still. There's a complete lake cover and everything. There's nothing you can fucking do about it. I take out my pitching wedge. I smash it over. I do not get my GIR. It goes to the right and lands on the curb where this area was near the 10th hole tee box on the cement. So it must have hit a little hill and there's a little part there. Hey, you play it as it lies. I take out my gap wedge. I'm going to swing really soft because that's something I use for like probably 75 to 100 yards in. And I'm hitting off cement now. There's a bunker directly in front of me, probably four or five yards in front of me. So I got a 39-yard shot to the pin, smashing over the fucking bunker. 
perfect shot about seven feet from the hole. I have a putt for par now and I miss it by half an inch. Literally, if there was some minor earthquake, it would have went in. And the crazy part about that game is, about that course too, is there's a full four hole and it's called the Quandary. And it's their toughest holes. Hole 16 is legendary, fucking gorgeous hole. Hole 15 or 16, I think, I believe. Is it 15, 16? Hold on, 15, 16. Yeah, hole 15 is a par three. I was throwing darts on my par threes, right? Fucking absolute darts. Getting on the green, boom, no issues. So these guys like, yo, yo, you've been killing par threes, all good, whatever, boom. 177-yard par three. You know, um, I wanted to swing soft. I didn't want to go too crazy. I take out a six iron. I put the tee up. I didn't chunk it. I didn't shank it. I didn't fucking hit it thin. It was just a weird shot. And it went about 80 yards. 85 yards probably. So I'm like 87, 88 yards and I'm on a fucked up lie. One of the guys got on the green. Two other guys got a little bit to the left. One in the bunker. Now I'm on the side of a mountain. The ball is literally within two feet of the car path curb. Take out my fucking gap wedge. Hit that bitch perfect. Club face open. It skyrocketed. 130, 140 feet up in the sky. Boom. Lands right there. Four feet from the pin. Bang. Make my putt. I'm Gucci. After that, hole 16 is probably the most gorgeous hole. Toughest fucking hole. And uh, one of the toughest holes. If not the toughest, it's the next tough. There's water there too with ducks and everything. To get on in three is actually great. Hit my first shot. It's way the fuck out of nowhere. Hit the second shot. Trying to go for the fucking green. And it's kind of like on a raised, elevated little mountain. There is water right in front of it, maybe just a few yards in front of it, a few yards to the right. And then there's a good amount of thing on the left and there's bunkers. There was holes that had nine fucking bunkers on this course. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Same with the farms. Really tough. So I take out my four iron, hit that bitch as good as I can. It goes a little right and it goes down the hill and it stops in the middle of the hill and doesn't go into the lake. So I got a 20-foot uphill putt for par now. Did I miss a shot? Forget it. Anyways, my fourth shot for par is a 20-foot shot. Uphill fucking shot, 20 feet. So probably, you know, seven, eight feet to get up and then 12 feet to go into the hole. Boom, zero putt. Crushed it. Par five is a downhill par five. It's fucking tough as shit. Anyways, I bogeyed three or four holes, right? Whatever it was. I had four putts for par. Three of them were half an inch, literally. That would have made me... Fuck, was it? I gotta look at the card again. I think I was four over... On the, yeah, I, I would have been one over on the back nine. That would have been my best. 
performance ever to date. To shoot a 37 on the back nine, I have never done that. I think when I broke, when I broke 80 several times, I was three over, you know, again, that's what, 39, 30, yeah, I was three over. That was the best I ever done. And then I was three over on the front. And it was crazy. That was playing out of my fucking mind. But great fucking course. Again, great food. If you are ever in North County and want to play a public course, go to Arrowwood. Tell them fucking Ben Baller sent you. I'm sure they won't fucking know who the fuck I am. But they're very nice. They started following me. The golf pro there knew who I was. A lot of people were really kind. Actually, the dude I was playing with, he knew who I was. But it was dope, man. And I appreciate the guys, the great energy. It was just fucking good, man. It was just, it was fucking awesome. Got a nine hole in Saturday morning at Goat Hill before it started pouring rain. And it was just fucking great. It was great. All right, now let's go to the bullshit. The fucking Seahawks, man. I had high hopes going in. I had really good energy. Felt it deep. I said, we got a fucking chance. We got to do a certain things. We got to do a few things. And we're there. Now, again, Gino's looking a little, you know, weathered down. There's some people we're missing. You know, we have a new squad. Everyone's trying to gel. And mind you, before I make any statements, look, people predicted us to win three games. Some predicted four. I thought we went at least six. We went nine and eight for the season. Gino did fucking over 4,000 yards. He placed top five, top 10 in every QB category. He did his fucking thing. Look, I'm excited. We have a fucking great future. You know, figure out some more defensive people. Get them all back in there. We have a number five draft pick, which I don't think we need on a quarterback now since Chino is staying. I think we need to fucking beefen up our O-line and fix this defense shit. And we are fucking definitely going past the first, second round in the fucking playoffs. But what pissed me off was the Niners were the better team. Purdy played great and everything was good. But that fumble by Geno in the red zone completely changed momentum of the game. And from there, it just went full meltdown. And it's just not acceptable. It was just fucking depressing. Now, I'm glad, you know, we didn't fucking drop a 27-point lead like the Jags did. But you know what? I, I demand more. I expect more. And it was depressing. I was a lot more upset. And I'm glad I'm speaking about it calmly. I still love all my fucking Seahawks players. I love everyone there. It's just fucking depressing because I know we could have did better. But you know what? You know, what are we going to do? Season's over. Motherfuckers are going to Cabo. And we'll, and we'll get it in next year. I think the Niners next year are going to be fucking dangerous. They are going to be fucking dangerous. Now, do I think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. They got either Tampa Bay or Dallas. I think Tampa Bay in the playoffs is a totally different team. I think their defense is going to fucking smash up on all those guys. It's a to again, a totally different team in the playoffs. Um, if Dallas wins, eh, who fucking knows? They're so inconsistent. You never fucking know. Again, anything can fucking happen next week, right? I'm excited to watch this Tampa Bay-Dallas game tomorrow. Now, Philadelphia and the Giants, I think Philly's going to fucking cream the Giants, okay? So let's say SF beats them, and now they go to the NFC Conference Finals and the Conference Championships. 
San Francisco is not going to be Philly. No, oh, you never know. Shut the fuck up. That defense is going to smother the Niners. I didn't say the Niners weren't bad. I'm saying they're fucking good. They don't need to change shit. Purdy, there's no reason Trey needs to come back. There's no reason if they could fucking figure out something with all that money and whatever, throw that shit out the window, figure some other shit, kick him to the curb. Jimmy don't need to come back because Purdy is definitely much more consistent than Jimmy is. He's doing his thing. Philly, different animal this year. And their offense, forget about it. Okay. AFC side, Kansas City is going to wax Jacksonville. It ain't going to be no. They had a fucking 21 lead. Guess what? They're going to a 45-point lead. Then to a 50. They ain't letting up. But much love to Trevor Lawrence. You know, I got to fucking, you know, show some love to an XL sports management athlete. Actually, it was crazy because him and Justin Herbert are both signing my agency. It was unfortunate. Chargers coach, if he hasn't been fired, he'll be fired by tomorrow, hopefully. He's got to fucking go. Kansas City is definitely going to beat Jacksonville. Now, Cincinnati and Buffalo, it's going to be a motherfucking dogfight. Cincinnati showed some shit today. I just don't think with this Buffalo thing with, with Hamlin, I would love to see Buffalo win his Super Bowl this year. There are my predictions early, early on before the season started. I talked about it. So if there is a KC or Buffalo versus Philly Super Bowl, it's going to be fucking lit. If there's a Buffalo or KC versus San Francisco, San Francisco don't stand a motherfucking chance. It's a whole different ball game. Like, oh man, McCaffrey wasn't in and da 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 No. KC's going to wax that ass again and 10 times worse this time. I'll tell you that right now. Whatever happens, AFC's going to win the Super Bowl. It is what it is. And there's that. What else, man? Didn't get to watch too much. Suits is still good. Some little twists and turns. I'm still I'm on the fourth season. I haven't got to the ninth season yet. I've been busy as fuck. I wanted to watch Megan. Didn't get a chance to do it. If I'd have had the chance, trust me, I'd figure it out. I gotta go see that fucking movie. I gotta see Black Panther. I gotta see Avatar. It's fucking crazy. I have some time this week, but we're shooting part three. We're launching part three in less than two weeks. So I got to get this shit going. I'm, I'm, we're going to BTB once a week. We're just getting it. It's exciting. We got sponsors lined up. We got shit going on. It's going to be fucking dope. So I got this shit going on. Um, my schedule's fucked up. I can't do Selling Sunset. I personally backed out. Not to sound unprofessional, but I got to say this. Anytime I have a meeting, whether it be a million-dollar meeting, a $25,000 meeting, a meeting of someone to potentially talk about a network, if the meeting's at 10.30, there's no way I'm, I'm there later than 10.25. Could be there at 10, hang out a little bit outside. I am the most punctual person ever. I'm not late to nothing, okay? That's something I've always been good at. I have been on so many TV shows, so many podcasts, so many different things, from the Kardashians to other shows to movies. I know what it's like to go on a show, not wear logos, try to keep away from some colors. If they're doing green screen, don't wear green. You know, they, for some reason, they don't want all white. They don't want all black, whatever. The thing I don't like now is I'm at a level now where, look, give me the respect I deserve. I've always been able to play second fiddle. I don't ask for anything. When I did the Adidas commercial, they treated me like a star. I still was like, no, just give me some wing stop. I'm good. You know, get me some Mexican Cokes. Give me this. And I love when people treat me the right way. And I'm there on time. I'm professional. I do everything they want to do. Cool. 
yeah, this is a top show on Netflix. was great. You know what? It's season five now. If it was season two or season three when they're on the peak of their shit, they're probably still a big show. Don't care. Love Amanda. She's on the show. But this producer that was handling things, it's like giving me weird vibes about having my wife on the show. And if I'm going to go be looking at a house and I'm being seriously looking at a property, my wife should be there. But then there's just the schedule changed twice. And I get it. Their schedules change. Like it's a big show, you know, boom. Guess what? My schedule doesn't change. <laughs> I keep my shit and I keep it in. So when schedules change with you guys, guess what? It don't align with mine. Dog, too bad. I got bigger things to do. I got more things to do. Sorry. And there was just other things that just bothered me about it. Uh, can you send me pictures of your outfit? Can you bring different changes of clothing? And I was like, you know what, man? I'm just over it at this point. Like you just rubbed me the wrong way. It's a COVID test, all this and that. Like, look, I understand you guys asked me to be on the show. I didn't ask y'all to be on the show. I'll do a COVID test before. I will come there dressed and I guarantee it to be proper and it'll be cool. And if there's an issue with that, then I'm cool. I just, at that point, I was like, look, I got shit to do. I got pro-am training that day. I'm good. So I will not be doing Selling Sunset, guys. Not that you guys are probably looking forward to it, but I didn't want to do it. All right, there's that. Um, BMF. I was hard on the show last week on the debut of season two. Let me tell you, season two, episode two was fucking good. Now it's getting exciting. Now it's, I love a revenge thing. I love when motherfuckers try to come at you sideways with 20 motherfuckers. Be like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. You get fucked up. And Lil Meech had to, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Big Meech, sorry. Lil Meech is playing Big Meech, but Big Meech was like, all right, for real. All right, that's cool. But I'm going to see you. It's, he's kind of stepping up. I'm, I'm starting to warm up to Lil Meech again after an entire season. Did his thing this episode. I fuck with it. This was a good one, man. It's, it's starting to get exciting. I'm really, really looking forward to the rest of the season. Obviously, I cannot wait for fucking Ghost. Come on, 50 man. Get your shit together. All right. Now, this is the important thing that I want to talk about. I don't know how many aspiring rappers or producers or singers... That covers everything. R&B, country singers, whatever. Artists in the music business. Really quickly. All these people keep saying, don't sign to a major. Go independent. All right. Signing major to a major label versus going independent. Signing to a major. If you're hot, they're going to put a lot of money behind you. They're going to uh, put their marketing machine behind you. They're going to probably help you get, you know, some collaborations. Not necessarily always, but, you know, put their, you know, if you're signed to a label with fucking Lil Baby or with, um, you know, Roddy Rich or whatever the fuck it is or Kendrick, I don't know. Usually they'll keep it in the family. Yeah, of course, you can have some features here and there. I hate that everything's about fucking features now. Nobody besides J. Cole can really hold an entire album. Kendrick too, but when you sign on major, there's a lot of fucking... Um, not write-offs, recuperation. They recoup a lot. So be careful when you're going to a Mastro Steakhouse, you're going to Mr. Child's, you're going to Catch, you're going to these places. Because all those meals, they're going to get their money back. The way they handle certain things, it's just the way it is. Now, going independent, that's cool. You know, you want to use YouTube, you want to use this, this, and this. Now you got to go reach out. You got no money to give anybody. Be like, yo, man, they get on the record with me. What are you, you going to offer them? Right? You can be hot by yourself. All right, cool. You can figure it out. 
it's a lot harder to go independent. Now people say, oh, what do you know? You don't know anything. I pay attention to little small things, but I don't need to know too much, but I was a fucking vice president of a record label. You don't fucking think I know, even though shit's changed with streaming and everything. It's 10 times harder now to do it, but when you pop, you pop. But you could go independent, that's great. Be like, okay, great. And you know what? Camera was really successful. For someone who went gold or, or platinum, Cameron could sell 200,000 copies and make more money than that person that went platinum. It's not always the case, guys. Because, um, what's it called? CMP, CMB, CMT, whatever the fuck. Uh, whatever the, the rate is on YouTube when you get like views and stuff and everything on Spotify. Those things aren't the same. Okay, so when you're going independent and you're crushing it and you have your own thing, cool. Guess what? Now, you need to have a publicist. You need to have all these things. And guess what? Yes, you're paying for them out of your pocket right? You need promo, you need marketing. Yeah, great. You can use social media and it helps to a certain extent. But there is a lot more shit that you need to do if you want to get it to going. I can't say you can't do it. I'm just saying that, of course, you would eat more off of going independent. Thing is, would you make it if you're dope, like you really are something and you go independent? I would say getting known and getting seen is going to be a little harder. Could happen. You might have that same album you've been wanting to put out, don't want to put it out, and take three, four years. All right, cool. You've signed with the major. Not saying it's guaranteed, but if someone believes in you, they're going to push you and get it going. One example I saw first fucking hand. Lady Gaga was signed to Cherry Tree Records or some shit, which was under a subsidiary of Interscope Records. The dude who owns Network and pays me a lot of money also was the head of Interscope when I was at Aftermath, helped me get my job with Dre, and is a fucking icon, a music legend. Lady Gaga would never have been as big as she was if she just had Cherry Tree and was state independent. We can argue all day long if you want to, but that song, Let's Dance, it went to radio, got denied. Tried to go to Rhythmic, tried to get ads, denied. PDs, MDs were not accepting the record. They kept pushing that record for fucking 11 months. That is almost a year. 11 months, the machine pushed that record, Let's Dance, and it finally got added. And it was a fucking smash fucking hit. And look where Lady Gaga is now. Could it happen independently? I don't know. Because you couldn't get your shit done if you were on the radio back then. Now it's different. But again, if you're not in with YouTube, you're not in with the Spotify people, you're not in the main mix of the playlist and stuff, ain't gonna fucking happen. So that is a big fucking thing to think about when you're thinking about shit. If you get an offer, make sure the deal is right. If it's not, then don't do it. Make sure your publishing is in place. That's it. Before we end the show, Bow Wow mentioned something. And the idea and sentiment is amazing. Could it happen? Don't know. He says a hip-hop union needs to happen. Because a lot of old dudes who are turned to alcohol, drugs, and they're washed up and they got no money. That's very true. It's sad when you got dudes who are really legends. But there needs to be some sort of alliance. People need to get in, pay some dues, 
get this shit run the right way properly. And business literacy is so fucking crucial, guys. You have no idea. The pressure to floss, being a big body fucking rolls, being a Cullen and being a Urus, being a G-Wagon, being certain things, man. Shit. That shit's crazy. Having big ass chains, having an AP, having Richard Mill, making sure that shit's not fake, wearing fucking a Mary Jeans and wearing fucking all this other shit. Look, man, these kids these days are living way beyond their means. And that is going to be their downfall. And it will be. Flying PJs and shit, not thinking about like the baby. Telling you, it's just a matter of time. And I'm not being a hater, I'm just being real. Motherfuckers cancel you on some stupid shit. You want to continue being stupid? Hey, do what you want. Hip-hop union, great idea. Hope it could happen. Guys, my birthday is in 11 fucking days. <sighs> 11 days, guys. My birthday party is in 12 days. On the 27th, I'm actually going to have a private dinner, private little get-together with just family, and that's it. 28th, there will be a place in Hollywood where I'm going to have something. If you are a subscriber, I'm going to allow 10 people to be on a guest list. You are not going to be sitting at my table. You're going to have to have some sort of money, guys. A fucking bottle. I think the cheapest bottle, and actually the prices aren't that bad. Cheapest bottle is probably $450. Then you got to think about 25 to 30% gratuity and all the other bullshit service charges. So if you ain't got at least a G to drop, I just don't. And a G is low. I don't think this party's for you. I'll be honest with you. Full disclaimer. If you got a band, two bands, you can drop on my birthday. And the same for me. You can go out on a regular night. It could be fucking Sammy Sosa's birthday. It could be fucking Kyle fucking from Full Sam's birthday. The place I'm going to is high end. If you don't got that kind of money, don't come. It's all good. My section will be private. Um, you can come up and chill and kick it for a little bit here and they say, what's up? But definitely um, my wife is just not really trying to be around people that she doesn't know. I'm down to hang out and kick it a little bit. We'll, you know, take some pics, have a drink. That's for damn sure. But absolutely kicking it in and out of the area, it's just not going to happen because I got security and all that stuff. And But I'm going to have a party. We're going to kick it. I'll have to come to your table if you get a table, whatever. But I am going to announce the location of my birthday party on this Thursday's episode because it might be the last Thursday's episode. All right, so this Thursday's episode episode uh, 341, I believe, somewhere around there. This Thursday episode, the 19th, is when I'm going to drop the location of my birthday party, which will be Saturday the 28th in Hollywood. So be prepared. Other than that, guys, yo, man, great fucking episode. We went over an hour, had a lot on my mind, had a fucked up weekend, had a great weekend as well. And you know what? This ain't your practice life. You got to make it a great day. You got to make it a great weekend. You got to make it a great month, great year, all that shit. Get that mindset right, guys. All right? I love everyone here. Please tell a friend to tell a friend. Subscribe to the show. Let's get it popping. I'm going to need you more than ever. We go back to one time a week. Let's get it going, BTB Army. All right? All right, man. Love y'all. See you guys Thursday. <laughs>